Chapter Fifteen of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Asia by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The Great Capital of China. Peking is a walled city. Its million and a half population live in a vast enclosure bounded by walls so high that one would have to climb to the top of a tall tree to look over them. Think of surrounding New York or London by great walls, sixty feet thick at the bottom, as tall as a four-story house, and so broad at the top that one could drive four wagon loads of hay side by side upon them without crowding. Let these walls be faced inside and out with gray bricks, each as thick as a big dictionary, and let the space between be filled with earth, so packed that the ages have made the whole as solid as stone. Build great towers upon the top of the structure above the gates which go through it, and you have some idea of Peking. Such walls were originally built around every important Chinese city, and it is estimated that there are still more than a thousand walled cities in China. The walls were put up as a means of defense, and on many of them are piles of stones ready to be thrown down at the enemy in case of a siege. The towers were intended for watchmen, and the gates under them were the only way in. They were opened during the day and closed at night by doors plated with iron. There are sixteen such gates leading into Peking, and we can see the towers over them long before we come to the walls. Entering one of the gates, we climb up into the tower for a view of Peking. What a curious city! It is like an immense orchard in which stand thousands of one-story stable-like structures of gray brick with roofs of black tiles, the stores and homes of the people. Here and there are government buildings shaped somewhat like an American barn, rising above the trees, and through the hole are cut wide roads upon which moves a busy throng of vehicles, animals, and men. As we look again, we see that there are other walls running this way and that through the enclosure, and our guides tell us that these walls surround three different cities, the whole making Peking. There is the Tartar city at the north, and in its center the imperial city, which was built as the home of the emperor, and its thousands of servants. It has many huge buildings roofed with porcelain tiles of bright yellow. There is the Chinese city at the south, and beyond it the temples of agriculture and heaven, where the emperor rode out in an elephant cart to sacrifice and pray on behalf of the nation. For many generations it was the custom for the emperor, every spring, to start the first furrow with a gold-handled plow, after which the farmers would put in their crops. It is in the Chinese city that most of the business is done. Its streets are narrow and walled with all kinds of stores, as we shall see when we go through them. The Tartar city gets its name from the Tartars, who came long ago from beyond the Great Wall and conquered the Chinese. They made their homes here, and here their emperor lived. It is still the seat of government, but since 1912, when the imperial government was overthrown, most of the officials have been Chinese. But let us go down from the tower and make our way through that crowd of pushing men and beasts which moves through this gate from sunrise to sunset. What a wonderful collection it is. There are caravans of brown woolly camels laden with tea on their way to Mongolia and ridden by fierce-looking Tartars. There are carts without number, 
containing the silk-dressed nobility and common workmen or coolies half-naked on foot there are little gray donkeys by hundreds straddled by yellow-skinned merchants and urged on by the blows of yellow-skinned donkey boys who follow behind there are sober-faced scholars wearing spectacles the glasses of which are as big as our silver dollars and dandies dressed in satins and silks there are shaven-headed priests from tibet in gowns of bright yellow and travelers from all over china in costumes of all shades and tints there are barefooted beggars in rags and gorgeously dressed princes on ponies all pushing and scrambling and shouting as they force their way through the busiest parts of the cities have similar crowds and we hire donkeys in order to ride through the streets now we are mounted and are forcing our way in and out through these yellow-skinned people we move carefully and have little trouble the chinese have become accustomed to foreigners and are gradually adopting the ways of our civilization there are policemen at all the street crossings and good order is everywhere kept we observe that many of the streets are now paved and that they have sidewalks and roadways we see automobiles flying by the camels on the chief thoroughfares and notice that electric lamps have taken the places of the paper lanterns used in the past suppose we enter a store it has counters behind which the clerks stand and upon which they display their goods the clerks wear long gowns of silk and black skull caps with red buttons on top they keep their caps on in the stores we find them good salesmen although they always ask several times what they think we will pay going on we pass banking establishments and at the street corners see money changers sitting at tables with piles of copper and brass coins before them such coins form the chief money of china and it takes several of the kind known as cash to equal the value of one of our cents i give you here a picture of myself and my chinese servant holding some strings of coins the total value of which is not more than ten dollars many large transactions are still carried on in silver by weight such silver is cast in the shape of a chinese shoe and marked with a number which shows the tails or chinese ounces it weighs a tail is worth a little more than our silver dollar in addition silver dollars are now being coined mints having been established in many of the cities the banks issue notes and such notes circulate almost everywhere we have now come into a street of bookstores and as we go on we observe that in some streets they are selling nothing but hats and that others are lined with shoe stores and fur stores there are sections of the city where only porcelain is sold and long lines of shops devoted to satins and silks the stores of the same kind are usually close together and there are lock peddlers by hundreds and wood stores and coal stores wood is sold by weight and coal dust is mixed with mud and made up into balls as big as our fists which are sold for a few cents apiece but here we are at a drug store that writing in front of it advertises ground tiger bones to strengthen faint hearts and extracts of rat meat which are warranted to make the hair grow farther on is the coffin street each store of which is full of great wooden caskets the chinese are particular as to how they are buried and they sometimes buy coffins a long time before death indeed it is not uncommon for a son to give his father or mother a beautiful coffin at new year's the parent will keep such a present in his parlor and show it with pride to the neighbors 
in the coffin street are shops which sell gold and silver paper cut in certain odd shapes this is funeral money to be burned at the graves of the dead that they may not go penniless into the land of the hereafter and then there are many bird stores in peking the chinese are fond of pets and we meet grown men going about carrying little birds upon sticks one leg of the bird is tied to the stick by a string which permits it to fly a short distance and it now and then darts up and flaps its wings before it returns to its perch we find pigeons sold in the markets and often hear them flying about through the air making a noise like a boy when he blows a tin whistle the noise comes out from a whistle of wood which is tied to the tail of the bird to scare off the hawks such whistles cost two cents apiece many of the pigeons are used as carriers the letters being tied under their wings the markets are especially interesting we have heard it said that the chief food of the chinese is rice cats dogs and rats but we observe that they have the best of meats and the choicest of fruits the mutton comes from the fat-tailed sheep of north china the tails of which often weigh several pounds each we can buy camel's flesh and pork is sold everywhere the chinese like pork and they have one variety which is especially fine being produced on an island off the southern coast where the pigs are fattened on sweet potatoes and chestnuts they have also fowls of every kind and the best breeds of geese chickens and ducks in addition to the animals reared for the markets china has all sorts of game we see deer rabbits and squirrels and snipe quail duck and other wild birds more than a thousand different kinds of fish are sold in the markets and there are mackerel herring sturgeon and sole as well as gold and silver fish and fish that look much like a parrot there are plenty of oysters and clams and also prawns shrimps and crabs the fish are all brought in alive and are kept in tubs of running water until they are sold as to cats dogs and rats they are sometimes eaten by the poorer chinese i once bought a dried rat in canton and i have visited restaurants which serve stews of cat meat and dog meat in one of them i saw a dog cooking the flesh looked like pork and the fur had been scalded and scraped from the skin with the exception of a tuft at the end of the tail this tuft was jet black and my guide said it was left on to show the dog's color as the meat of a black dog is considered the best End of chapter 15